Well, Chris Carr can act as my bidet. It would not be appropriate for me to comment on the matter. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 166 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my podcast partner in crime, writer, journalist, published author, Jessica Salagi. Hello. How was your week? Oh, just living the dream down here south of Macon. Woo! Where where it's like 95, then 60. Then like thirty nine, I had to get out the space heater from my office the other night because I was not, I was refusing to turn on the heat. Too bad you don't know a good HVAC guy. Well, even if I did know a decent guy, I still wouldn't turn on the heat. Man, my heat and air have been set on auto, so it goes to heat at night and air during the day. Because I have something, I've got a good system in my house that doesn't cost me a fortune to run. Mm-hmm. Because I know a guy. You know a guy? Yeah, it's been a crazy week, man. It it has been, like, super busy, which is totally out of character for April. Especially in April that the highs were in the 60s, lows were in 30s. I've been super, super busy, which, trust me, I am very thankful for. I God bless my customers and the folks that, that... call me ahead of time that have listened to me about equipment shortages and everything else. Like I want to get this done ahead of time. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Every one of you that, that, that does that and it will pay dividends coming up. It's just one of those things where it's like they had a meeting, like we're all going to call Dave this week. Let's go stress him out as much as possible in one week, but it, but it's great. It's a, it's a good stress. I enjoy it. Yeah, I'd rather, I mean, rather that that than the stress of none. Oh, yeah. Oh, please, 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 phone ring, please. I actually put a uh, put an ad out with uh, Chattahoochee uh, Technical College today looking to hire people. Yeah? Yeah. So hopefully I can find some people that actually want to work. And I assume if you go to a tech college, you want to work. Yeah. But it's hard to overcome that twelve hundred dollars a month or twelve hundred dollars a week unemployment that you get for not working. Yeah, I took classes in um, tech school in high school, and I didn't want to work. I know you became a journalist. <laughs> <Ha>! <laughs> you have that easy life where you go to bed every night at ten o'clock and wake every day at at nine in the morning. You just. <laughs> Yeah, should have been a teacher. Oh, shots fired. Shots fired. For those that don't know, Jess is up very early in the morning uh, hacking out stories and up very late at night. I know this because I can see the green light on our conversations that we have, that Mm -hmm. she's active. I'm like, what in the hell are you doing up at three o'clock in the morning? Just, like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, just I'm trying to get the story out. Up. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm proofreading something. I'm putting this out, or this news broke late, and I, I want to get it out. So, yeah, it the glamorous life of a business owner, right? Oh, God. yes. I sound like Matt, right? Right. <laughs> so I'm burning. I'm burning. I'm burning for you. This is where <laughs> I wish we could we could play Blue Oyster Cult. STDs are on an all-time high for the sixth straight year. Congrats. COVID can't slow those folks down. (laughs) Like they're multiplying. (laughs) I have an explanation for this. Okay. All right. So they're blaming everything else, the periphery on it. And they're saying this group, this group, this group. They're breaking it down to the races and sexual orientation, everything else. I blame Magic Johnson. I'm when, 
when AIDS was such a big threat that you died quickly, everybody was wearing protection. It was a big thing that you made sure that people were wearing protection. Now, you can live with HIV for decades. I was about to say the rest of your life. Well, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> but you can live for decades with it. It's not the death sentence that it was. <laughs> that's, that, that strike a nerve, Jess? You're going to live the rest of your life with this disease, <laughs> no matter if that's two weeks or 20 years. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's not the death sentence that it was. And then when you add uh, the morning after pill and everything else, it's not the life ender to not use a condom. So when you add that sort of stuff, especially when you talk about relations that are not traditional baby-making relations, uh, you take away that threat of creating another life, whether it be a a gay relationship or anything else, the the threat of of getting AIDS is not that bad anymore. People aren't using protection, and that leads to the rise in the, what I would call the, the... sub-deadly uh, uh, VD. Because I'm old, I still call it VD. And that's why we see the rise in gonorrhea and syphilis. Mm-hmm. I have no evidence to, to, to support <laughs> that, but <laughs> that, that's, that's my logical uh. you know, separation on it. <laughs> I wonder, Can't talk tonight either. Yeah. Um, well, at you least they nothing? can live with it the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And look, it, as embarrassing as it may be, it's a shot of penicillin. You're going to be okay. And no, Jessica, I do not have any personal experience <laughs> with it. I don't. I don't want to know. Either way, I just don't want to know. I don't. I don't want to know. <laughs> I, I dodged those bullets. Oh yay! yay. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is even worse. Faith leaders, quote unquote, call for boycott of Home Depot over New Georgia voting law. They are upset that Home Depot has not come out against the new Georgia voting law. It's almost like they want to sell lumber instead of being in politics. Um, we talked about this before the show. I am so sick of hearing about the voting law. I am, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of people being bothered by it. I'm sick of people thinking it's fantastic. Um, I'm just sick of it. I don't care what anyone else thinks about it. It's the law now, and if you want to change it, then circle back in 2022. It doesn't do anything. (laughs) It doesn't do a damn thing. You have to have a license to vote. And if you can't afford one, we'll give one to you. It's like the Miranda rights of voting. If you can't afford an ID, one will be provided to you. Jesus, it doesn't do anything. Let Dave be the person who writes the law. You have to crawl across broken glass, then walk across uh, Legos before you can vote. It should should take some damn effort. And I like what Lowe had to say, and and now we've invoked him, I don't know, four times before the the five-minute mark, that you should have some skin in the game. You should have to pay taxes, have some sort of skin in the game to vote. That didn't happen. I think you should have to vote in person unless you have a reason. You're going to be out of district during the voting time. Have some sort of damn reason not to not be in person. That wasn't even in the damn law. Correct. This is the most limp-wristed strengthening of a law I've ever seen. 
And for this, Stacey Abrams is charging like a rhino. Well, R-H-I-N-O. Uh, oh, gosh. Or an elephant. I don't know. Uh, but for, for this, Stacey Abrams is collecting money hand over fist, and Hollywood's losing their, their stuff over it. Will Smith pulled a, a movie out of Georgia over it. We lost a damn all-star game over it. None of this really affects me. I don't give a damn. But it is pure propaganda that people are putting out that it oppresses anyone. Who the hell does it oppress? I don't have an ID. Well, you know what? You have an entire year before the next uh, next primary and a year and a half before the next election and three years before the next pr- next presidential election. Why don't you get your ass down and get your free ID? Why don't you take your free, your reduced or free Marta card down to a driver's license place, get your free ID so you can go vote? Up yours. You know what? I'm I'm tired of I'm tired of people saying that it's racist to say that everyone needs an ID, as if people of color can't possibly figure out how to get an ID, but they can figure out who to vote for. It's race. It's it's it is to to say someone. Oh, we just know that you're not capable of getting an ID. Oh, you poor you poor little deer. No, no. Everybody in the state is capable of getting an identification. And I'm sorry, Jess, I'm, I'm on my damn soapbox and being way too loud, way too early on the show. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Another pandemic ripple effect is the high cost of rental cars. The story makes me laugh. People in Hawaii are driving U-Hauls around the islands because they can't afford a rental car. Because there's so many people traveling all of a sudden now that the vaccines are out and just people are just traveling again and they're driving U-Hauls around. <laughs> I think it's hilarious because people are terrible drivers as it is. And then you add to like, they don't know where they're going. <laughs> they're driving a U-Haul around. What's that junk you got in your trunk, baby? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what only, they only seat three. Like what, I mean, <laughs> what do you is do? Is that a... Is that a 14-footer or a 17-footer? Yeah. <laughs> All your beach stuff just sliding around in the back. <laughs> now, I was thinking better is hotels are so expensive in Hawaii. Just go ahead and put a, put a bed in the back and a couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, they said that a Toyota Camry was going for $722 a day in Maui last week. Have you ever heard of Uber? I have. <laughs> like... Uh, I don't want to drive in Hawaii. I've been to Hawaii several times. I don't want to drive in Hawaii. I would take Uber. And I, I use drivers when, I, when I'm out of the country because I don't want to drive in other countries because I don't want to end up in jail. And cab drivers are, are awesome, and they can hook you, hook you up with anything you need. But, my God, $720 a day? Screw that. <laughs> Maui's not that damn big. I know. I, the U-Haul is just epic, though. And it, it's awesome. And you know, U-Haul, it, which is based out of Arizona, is just loving it. Like, how many how many trucks do we have in, have in Hawaii? A hundred? How many are rented? A hundred? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Last month, the cheapest rental car on Maui was, oh, that, that's what you said, $722 a day. The cheapest you missed the cheapest was $720 a day. And I wouldn't be caught dead in a Camry. <laughs> Next. <laughs> I guess we lost Toyotas as well. As I was going to say, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we- <laughs> Speaking of terrible places to live, New Jersey will incorporate the impacts of climate change and rising seas into its all major policy decisions. <laughs> They're talking about like a long term plan to move everybody away from the water. <laughs> I just I, I don't I don't know why it makes me laugh. <laughs> like I just I mean, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't rise that much. It's not like it's coming up like a tsunami. <laughs> like, Millimeters. <laughs> Millimeters. It it would take an ice age to recede. And a 
huge global catastrophe for it to rise. And look, I would love for my house to become beachfront property. Screw Florida and y'all down there in South Georgia. I would love to walk out my front my my front porch and have have the ocean right there. Plus, think of all the structure and all the artificial reefs you would have all the way up to Dallas, Georgia, from Florida and Louisiana and Alabama. They're now artificial reefs for catching fish. Yes, I'm a selfish bastard. But my God, man. I, the pandering that goes on in the Northeast. We're going to move well, people away from the water in case you all flood in a thousand years. Well, and to raise money for the projects, the resilience projects, they're going to consider borrowing, taxing, imposing targeted fees, and selling environmental impact bonds. Why don't they just sell real estate on Chris Christie for when he floats? Ooh. Ooh. No. <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to be near the end of it because that's the geyser. Uh. Am I awful tonight? Yes. Yes, we're we're recording at night, by the way. (laughs) Yes. So listen to this. So it says, in its first climate resilience strategy, um, they unveiled on vacant land in Woodbridge, where the state has brought and demolished numerous homes in a flood-prone area. State officials committed themselves to making sure major decisions in most areas of government are made with climate change and its risks in mind. Have they called China? We are ground zero for some of the worst impacts of climate change. We have to get ready for what is happening here today in our state and what we know is to come. Horse. My God, man. China is investing uh, nonstop in coal-fired electric plants. We act like there's, there's some imaginary fence that's that's up around every country, every state, every city, that we're going to stop climate change by doing things. And New Jersey is the size of a loogie and smells the same. The plan seeks to incentivize people to move from flood-prone areas to safer ones. Yeah, and, and they would, are. And would, They're leaving New Jersey, New York, and everywhere, uh, Boston, for the South. And they would help low-income communities who are least able to respond to the effects of climate change. I think I've told a joke on the, on the show before. God calls New York Times, says, I'm ending the world tomorrow. And uh, next day, the New York Times says, God ends world today. Uh, poor and minorities, hardest hit. Jesus. I, One to two feet by 2050. Two to five feet by the end of the century. Horse. <laughs> That's two, Eric. That's two. I'm going to break your button. He's already not feeling well this weekend. Hey, this is That's two. And we're not even like a third into the show. I guess we're recording the show. My between God, two, man. Between 2010 and 2017, over 4,500 homes valued at $4.6 billion total, were built in areas at risk of flooding. Well, I mean, why did you give a permit for... I mean, if that's the issue, just stop giving permits in flood zones. Like, I Look, don't... I, I'm old enough to remember when we were supposed to have a global freeze, when the Ice Age was coming. It, uh, the couple's name was Paul and Ann Eyerlich. They were climate scientologists, or sci- scientologists, scientists uh, in the 70s that said that Overpopulation was going to kill the earth because of the cl- coming ice age. That there would be, uh, that the bread uh, producing areas of the globe would be frozen and everyone starved to death. Now we're all going to drown. A hundred years ago, we were going to, we were going to die from something else. <coughs> there, there are all, Chicken Little is a parable. People need to read it. My God, man. Moving on. Next. <laughs> we had to put that on, 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 a, on a button. Florida County Sheriff tells new residents, don't register to vote and vote <laughs> with the stupid way you did up north. God bless him. So 
they were he was at a event with Ron DeSantis and um it was on the the new like anti-rioting bill which admittedly I didn't read and don't really know other than I'm assuming it has to do with rioting and and not doing it <laughs> and, and, and against it but he called, he said um, he was up there and he says so we only want to share one thing as you move in hundreds a day um, welcome to Florida but don't register to vote and then vote the stupid <laughs> the way you did up north or you'll get what they got and there's a reason this place is fun there's a reason why we have a 49 year low cl- crime rate and the same people that don't think we should have an anti rioting bill or a rioting bill are the same ones that think we ought to let more people out of prison. Now, he got a little off in the weeds there, but um, I think it's hilarious. No, no, no I, I will tell you, this is true. As, as someone who grew up in Florida, and I know I've mentioned that before, Florida was a southern state when I was a kid. And it was the New Yorkers that moved down that changed the politics. Uh, Florida was very redneck when I was a kid. I mean, there were four lifted four wheel drives, and you know, you went mudding, and you did everything that you could think of in rural Georgia was in Florida, and it was the influence of people that that came down. And it, Florida is the retirement home of, of everybody in New York. You would make your money in New York and get your retirement and move to Florida because. Well, one, the weather. The other was your money went so much further at the time in the 70s and 80s that they would move down to Florida. It's so much so that when I moved to Georgia and I was, I was a school kid, I was asked what part of New York was, was I from because of my accent. Which is funny because I, I know people you know in the Northeast that hear me like think I sound so redneck. I'm like, I don't, uh, not compared to down here. But... That's true. The same thing we're saying in Georgia is our tax structure brings Hollywood here, but we don't want your politics. Come here with your money and leave your politics back in California. Texas has said the same thing and everybody else. You know, I don't think it's a bad thing to say. I'm not sure that an elected official should say it. And I certainly don't think a sheriff should say it. But I agree with the sentiment. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I agree with the F.U. Yankee. <laughs> we had a, a bumper sticker when I was a kid that said, you love New York, take I-95 North. <laughs> Creative. <laughs> now this is a good time to remind you these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work or own or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. But they may or uh, people we used to know. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Outraised everyone in the U.S. House of Representatives other than... Nancy Pelosi. She raised over $3.1 million in the first three months. Jesus help us. <laughs> well, the thing that I think is funny is that um, 91% of it came from outside of the district. Well, well, she had over 100,000 individual donations, which is quite remarkable, but... You know, when she got kicked off Twitter and all that, she used that to raise money. But she got over 100,000 of donations, I think, averaging like $32. But um, 91% of the individual cash, which was 654000 was from outside of the district. Look, I've said before, I like Margie. Personally, on a personal level, she is one of the sweetest most genuine people you ever meet. Her husband is a super, super nice guy. She has a beautiful family. But my God, man, when she gets on Twitter, I'm just just cringeworthy. Of course, she can't get on Twitter anymore, I reckon. She can't? She 
keeps getting blocked or, or whatever she puts up gets gets fact checked or anything else. <clears throat> Maybe she should stop lying. <laughs> I don't know that she's lying. She lied about the gyms being closed. Ah, uh, she also got duped into the whole Q thing. And I'm and she was prominently displayed in the, in the thing I talked about a couple weeks ago or last week, whatever it was, about the the Q documentary. Uh, she was prominently displayed on that. It just, Jesus, Margie, just at this point, just govern. Just stop making a Well, she can't. Yourself. She got taken off the committees. It, she can still vote. Just, you know, just take Tom Graves' note and just put your head down, stick to your values, just vote, do do what you're supposed to do. Just good God, man. You, do, She's doing my district no good by getting herself kicked off of every committee. So before she... Um before the actual, you know, they always, if you do really well in your fundraising quarter, that you always leak your numbers out and they, they report them before they're official on the FEC website. And um, the source did, I guess, when the, before the numbers were all out. And this, this is what the, the source said. That was from her campaign. Over 100,000 individual donations says it all. The people are with Marjorie Taylor Greene and her America First agenda. It's clear she's the heir to President Trump. While politicians inside the Beltway attack her daily, Americans are rushing to stand beside the notorious MTG as she fights tooth and nail on the House floor, utilizing procedural tactics to shut down Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats' hostage takeover of Congress. Well, she's making a huge statement there. And... She's also peeing all over the district, saying that you're not going to challenge me. This is mine. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is mine. And numbers like that will scare off anybody from challenger, in a primary anyway. And she, no one's going to beat her in a general. I just, it's just not going to happen. You know, only $60,000 of her donations were, for, well, of the itemized donations were from Georgia residents. I still see Marjorie Green uh, signs up. We're not even in a cycle right now. People are so happy. with. Of course, I still see Trump signs up. I'm like, uh, Hoss, you could take that down. <clears throat> At least well, put it away for a year. They did that with Obama, too. I know. I, I Doing what I do, I have to go in people's houses that are, you know, from all different walks of life. And I've I've seen shrines to Obama, like candles next to it, like Obama and uh, and uh, uh, MLK next to each other and like candles around it. It's it's the uh, the the in the living room or the, or the dining room or something like that. Yeah, I, I know. <clears throat> but I don't really like the cultish following of politicians like that. No? I know I shock you, don't I? I just, you know... I don't like the hypocrisy of even the people who don't like her. Like, people aren't really talking about the fact that this money is not... If 654000 is itemized donations, of course there's some that falls under the threshold where they don't have to technically report and you can report it in aggregate. I get that. But, but she obviously has some special interest group money, too. But Florida, Texas, and California were her top recipients over Georgia. Like, where are the people who are always screaming about... You know, donations from outside the district. Where are they? And I'm guilty of that. Okay, where are Would you? It, if I see somebody that is being unfairly attacked elsewhere in the country, I'll send them money. Unfairly attacked? Uh, 
I, I can't remember a specific instance, but I've sent money to people in Virginia and other, okay. But in, how in has Marjorie been unfairly attacked? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I have mm. sent money to people that I thought were unfairly attacked. Okay. And and I've done that, so I, I really can't throw stones at people for doing that. <clears throat> and I did smack my microphone a little while ago, so I'm sorry if there's a big boom because I talk with my hands because I'm an idiot. Um, that doesn't bother me. It, the out-of-district stuff has never bothered me as much as it does other people. Like, well, that money's coming from out-of-district. So what? Yeah. That, that That's my freedom of speech to say that I saw that Let's say Ron DeSantis. I like what he's doing in Florida. So I decide I'm going to send him a couple thousand dollars. It's within my right to do that. Sure. Money is speech. But as long as, I mean, I don't have a problem with it as long as the person stays the person that they are. Like, Well, sure. It, but I was, I was talking to another business owner and, he, and he, was, he was griping because his business is located in a city in which he doesn't live. He lives a couple of miles outside of the city. I don't have any voice in the city. I don't have any voice. They won't listen to me. And I just looked at him and said, write a check to listen to you. That may be wrong. That may be the wrong message for, for being idealistic, but it's true. If you want people to listen to you in, in politics, write a check. All of a sudden, you're invited to stuff. All of a sudden, you've got emails and stuff. All of a sudden, and trust me, my email is clogged with crap that I don't want to see. And it, it, the biggest thing that bothers me is if I send money to one person in Virginia that I'm trying to help, I get I get solicitations from people in Oregon because I came up on a list because I contributed to a a person in uh, in Virginia. But if you it just it's a fact if it, you know he owns he owns a business and in this case it was city of Hiram and he did he lived in the county he lived in Paulding County he said well I don't have any representation I said write a check and you will and listen to you that's just the way it is yeah. and it's protected speech I mean I do not agree with the with the campaign finance reform. I do not agree with limiting. Uh, uh, Me either. Uh, at all. I mean, if I want to give, hell, Joe Biden $10,000 because I think he's doing everything right. God, that I choke on those words. That's my right. That's my political speech to do that. So if I want to send money to Ron DeSantis and, and send him you know, $50,000, say, hey, I love what you're doing in Florida. Keep doing it. That's my right. So, I the the whole idea of coming from outside a district doesn't bother me at all. That that's just that. It doesn't. I mean, I don't. It doesn't bother me either. I just. Um, I think it's it's fascinating that she. I mean, she raised what almost well. How much did? She made $400,000 more than AOC. And when AOC was her first, um, in her first quarter of being elected, she raised only $728,000. So it's interesting. I, I will tell you, there's a happy medium between a, uh, between uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Tom Graves. Tom made no news. You never saw him on the news until he was just about out. He just, he kept his head down, just did his stuff. He he obviously came back to the district and, and would give his talks here, but he wasn't a newsmaker. And then you have Marjorie Taylor Greene, which is just a dumpster fire, constantly. God, there's got to be a middle ground there somewhere. Like I said, I don't dislike her personally. I mean, it, you know, I've talked about this before the show. You have to separate the pers- the political persona from somebody from the from the person. 
you can like people and not like how they act when they're in office. Uh, Bill Clinton and I would have gotten along great. First oh. of all, oh, first of all, we're hanging out with Bill. Oh, God, can you imagine? The food would be great. The women would be beautiful. Well, I don't know about Monica, but there'd be women, there'd be food, and there'd be wine. I mean, it'd be a great party. Bill would be great to hang out with. In contrast that to Trump. Trump probably isn't that awesome to party with, but his policy wasn't that bad. Like, you know, when he talks... It, it, he he's cringeworthy, but his policies weren't that bad. And then you have Biden, where you're like, what? 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 What the hell are you talking about? What? So I have no idea where Biden stands. Neither does he. Well, that's because it changes so often. It doesn't change. He has no idea what he's talking about. Mm. He's got dementia. There's no, I mean, just, so you can enjoy somebody's person. JFK and I would have gotten along great too. I mean, awesome. Policy, not so much, but but personally, I mean, he wants to bring Marilyn around. (laughs) Let's party. But you have to be able to separate the the personal stuff, and this and that is what really poisons uh, local politics because you you get to know the people that you're around, and you like them personally. They're your neighbors, you know their kids. Your kids play softball together, whatever, and that poisons your idea of what their their policies are because you really like them. And that's that's the tough thing about local politics is you don't want to vote against the guy that's your neighbor, that your kids play softball with, that you see every Wednesday at church, but you disagree with their politics. And it's a, it's a really hard divorce to make psychologically to say, I have to separate this person from the person, the representative. And I know that that, that wasn't the point of the story, but that's kind of where we are. I mean, I'd say we're firmly, squarely right there. So, moving on. Go ahead, Jessica. Next. Georgia refuses to kill a man by firing squad. I love this story. You love it? I do. Just the headline of it. And yes, we've, I, I read this on the Georgia Virtue which is owned by a friend of mine. She's a, she's a bit mouthy, but is a great source for local and state news. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Michael Wade Nance, 59, was convicted and sentenced to death for, for the killing of Gabor. <laughs> Bal- <laughs> you love doing this crap to me. You love it. I hope you, that when we hit like another big number, Eric can like clip all the names. You, you love butcher. doing this crap to me. <laughs> Below <laughs> in 1993, Nance had just robbed a Gwinnett County bank and abandoned his own car after die packs hidden in the stolen money exploded. He backed out of who? a uh, who backed park- out? No, I know, no. I saw you put his name in there again. You turd. At a liquor store across the street, when Nance pulled, uh, uh, <laughs> opened the car door and shot him. So he was. Convicted. You suck. You suck. You you picked this story because you knew I could not pronounce his name. That's not true. I would never do such a thing. But yes, you would. Yes, you would. You snot. <laughs> so the um, the guy he he was convicted what almost thirty years ago, and he's not contesting that he shouldn't be put to. Or he's not like contending that he shouldn't be put to death, but I guess he's been on some medication that has altered his brain chemistry. Um for the last several years and 
it's like scientific knowledge and concern that with the execution drugs, like they may not be effective. And so basically they would, you know, start the process and it would not only be excruciating and, and in, I mean, it wouldn't work. Like he wouldn't die. Um, so they are contending that he should be killed by a firing squad, which I think it's Utah that is the only state that still uses that, or maybe one state recently voted to bring them back. But we don't presently have the firing squad as a a method of inje- of lethal or execution. But it it is injection. It's injection of lead. Yeah, at, at, at twenty five hundred feet per second. Yeah, by what is it, eight or ten people? But he's. He wants to be shot to death just to make sure that it works. And one, the, I mean, the Court of Appeals, the U.S. Court of Appeals made several arguments. And one of them was that he waited too long to ask to be killed this way. And I'm kind of like, well, it's been 30 years since he killed the other guy. Like, nobody's really seems to be in a rush here. Um, and, and that's the problem I have. The problem I have is when the courts rule on procedural uh, we had a case not long ago. Uh, I'd say not long ago. Days run together because I'm old. Where a, a guy was sentenced to death and his appeal was rejected because the the right papers weren't filed at the right time. It wasn't that his appeal wasn't valid. That was the guy, um, Ray Cromartie. Yes, exactly. And and that's the thing is. I I am so offended when the law becomes so obtuse that we lose the argument because it wasn't filed on time, filed the right way, or anything else. And it's such a lawyer thing to do. And I know we have a lot of lawyers that that listen to the show, kiss my ass. Uh, It's such a lawyer thing to do, to do that. To say, well, this was this was filed on a form three five seven D, and it should have been filed on a three five seven C. Therefore, we can't look at it, and you're going to die. And it's not that big of a deal if you're looking for zoning on your house. You just go to the next meeting. But when you're looking at getting a shot in the arm. the the nature of the objection needs to be heard and it's it it's it should be offensive to anybody with common sense that the reason we're not hearing this is he didn't come in a timely manner so we're going to torture you to death basically the state is saying we admit we're going to torture you to death, but because you didn't file it within this time frame on this form, we're not going to hear it. Well, one of the arguments by the circuit was that the federal courts don't have the authority um, or they don't have the jurisdiction to provide remedy for every right denied. And not every decision reflecting that fact is worthy of reviews by the full appeals court. That's what Judge William Pryor said. Um, that's three. That's three. Yeah. Because you have the right against cruel and unusual punishment. Well, it's that's, one of the, the, yeah. You have I the agree. right against cruel and unusual punishment. So they have the authority to step in here. And I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't. The reasoning behind the ruling is cowardly. Give us a there ruling w- one, one way or the other. Either you say that, look, this is the prescribed way that we're going to put people to death, regardless of, of, of your personal circumstances, or, you know, or we're going to, we're going to say that this person has the right to choose the manner of his death. It's, Either either way, but they're not. They're 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 trying to go down the middle, as Mr. Miyagi say, uh, walk on right side road. Okay, 
Walk on the left side of the road. Okay. Walk down the middle, get hit by both sides. You can't... They're, they're giving a ruling of a non-ruling out of cowardice. And honestly, it would be cheaper to shoot them. Well, maybe not right now. With the price of ammo right now, maybe not. But... But what happens if they try two or three times and it doesn't work? Like, what then what do they do? Like, what if the drug that he's been taking for the last, um, I, I mean, it was several years. Like, what if they, they actually can't? Well, let's, let's look at the bigger picture of that question. If he is tortured to death. And say it doesn't work, and he's screaming in pain as blood is shooting out of his eyes. So if you're an advocate of the death penalty, this doesn't serve your purpose. Sure it does. Most death penalty advocates want that. They want to watch. No, no, no. What I'm saying, I'm talking from a legal standpoint of if, 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 uh, if you want to stay legal and you have this guy that's, that's, if you've seen the Green Mile, which I think is the second reference to that this this, this week, uh, and you have the one the the execution where the guy catches fire and all that stuff, that is total ammunition for the people who are anti death penalty. To say this is why we should not be doing it. Is it, it violates cruel and unusual punishment? So, if you want these people to be put to death, you want them to be put to death in in such a way that it does not trigger the anti-death penalty people. And for them, a firing squad would be perfect. You've got eight out of ten people, whatever it is. I, I, I don't care if it's a howitzer, whatever. whatever. If they get shot, he's down, it's done. But if you have somebody that, that's going to be executed and it goes on for you know an hour because the drugs aren't working, you have to keep putting more and more crap in them to put them down, just like Green Mile where you have to keep hitting the switch over and over and over in, in order to get him to, to die, that does nothing but serve the, the other side. Well, I got so one this more- guy gets to be a martyr uh, for the anti-death penalty movement. There's one more legal argument that they've made, too, which is that, well, there was a federal judge, I guess, last year, right before the pandemic. He's the one that said that they waited too long, but he said also that his lawyers failed to show constitutional protections against cruel and unusual punishment would be violated, um, excuse me, violated since the court has to presume that state officials will act, quote, carefully and humanely in carrying out his execution. And, I mean... A person, a nurse walking in there diplomatically and and administering the drug to the best of their ability and with dignity. I mean that that is not really the issue here. Like the issue is that you don't know what's in the IV. You don't know the reaction with that. Ah, uh, man. I'm real queasy with the idea of the state putting people to death anyway, because Are of you? I, I am. I am. I'm not totally anti-death penalty, but I'm real queasy about the idea of the state uh, doing it, mostly because I'm not because of stuff like this procedural. Oh well, you may uh, we may well be wrong, but you filed the wrong form at the wrong time, so we're going to go ahead and put you down anyway. And and this is probably the best argument against this the the death penalty is there's no reasonable person that can step in. Uh, I was talking to a defense attorney not long ago, and uh, he was telling me what. The first time we ta- saw a death warrant, he said it was a it's a a blanket form, and uh, it says uh, jail this 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 and the other, and you check other, and you handwrite death, and that's what a death warrant looks like. And you know the the other reason I, that that I'm real queasy about it is the expense 
that goes into executing somebody. Well, did you know that in Georgia, you're not allowed to file an open records request for the cost of these drugs? Oh, well, no. I mean, I did did not. That's Uh, not true. You can file a request, but Chris Carr's office will tell you to go pound sand because it's a state secret because for a while we were getting them off the black market and from Europe because the drugs were barred and there was a shortage and all this stuff. And so we don't actually know where we get them. We don't know where... We don't know, like, how much we have. We don't know how we're paying for them. Well, Chris Carr can act as my bidet. Um, (laughs) But here's the thing. If you you applied that to any other place in life, what if I told the IRS— I'm not going to disclose how much I paid for what or how much I got from where— because it's illegal, I got it from illegal sources. They throw my ass in prison. Screw Chris, Chris Carr. Well, it's the Department of Corrections too. I mean, they're like basically an underground community themselves. But is there still a, a, a Department of Corrections, or are they just now a private corporation? Oh no, I, I'm being facetious. No, I know. I'm just saying, like it's though they'll never give that up because those. Those, well, next. No, here's the thing. I could call a heroin dealer right now uh, for like, I don't know, 300 bucks and get enough to put them down. Put them down, huh? Well, I mean, hell, half the stuff the junkies are getting are fentanyl either. Anyway, they're, you know, they're dying with a smile on their face. Only the state can figure out a way to overdose somebody in a painful way. Yeah, with a three-step process. I mean, Jesus. We got people dying with needles in their arms, sitting in their cars, their kids in the back seat. But we can't, we can't, put, we can't put down a, uh, a criminal without a three-step process. If you have to, if you have to take your 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 pet and to be to be put down, it, it's one shot of barbiturates and it's over. Mm-hmm. But the state somehow screws that up because government screws everything up. But I don't see the downside of the firing squad. If that's how the guy wants to go out, I mean. I I don't see how it's less painful, but if that's if that's what he wants. I don't think it's as much lights out as people as he may think. I mean, you're getting shot through the heart, but your brain's still op- uh, operating. But if that's what he wants, I mean, I mean, this is Georgia. We can find some damn sharpshooters. They're all over the damn state. Well, am I overly cruel? Uh, it depends. <laughs> it depends on the topic. No, I'm just talking. I'm just talking about principle here. It. I don't see the downside of of shooting them. I also think this the state overcomplicates putting people down. I mean, people die all the time of over, overdoses. All the time. How the hell do we have these this three drug cocktail that hurts people and they're you know they're supposed to feel their veins burning and all this crap? How the hell does that happen when if you know, I've got knee surgery coming up? If if when I go to sleep for knee surgery, I will wake up my legs in a, in a damn cast. I don't know how the hell that happens. Only only government could screw that up. So on that happy note, Jessica, do we have a closing thought? Um, I want to just mention the one where we've talked about, you know, the efficiency businesses have seen about um, from COVID, like who actually needs to be in the office and what kind of expenses they can cut and everything. And there was a poll released last week, or I guess a survey rather, but um, where they surveyed people worldwide and found that 58% of people plan to find a different job if when COVID is, quote, over, um, they're told they can't keep working from home. Which, 
just seems like a lot. Like 58% of, I mean, I know that businesses, like we, we've talked about, businesses will keep more people, you know, out of the office if they can cut, if they can continue that, that slashed operations baseline. But I mean, it's, are 58% of Americans going to sell like special shampoo and, and other vitamins and multi-level marketing stuff? I mean, what essential oils. everybody, everyone's going to be selling plexus. I don't understand. If Americans do not go back to work, there will be no work. As long as restaurants have to keep operating at 20% capacity. And I'm not talking about government. I'm talking about they can't get people to come back to work. They're going to figure out how to do it. And there will be no jobs. Uh, the biggest thing that the biggest problem I see is I don't see corporations going back into these buildings in places like Buckhead. Atlanta, New York, L.A., uh, San Francisco, or or Seattle, is they figured out that you don't need to go into an office to be productive. And I, I foresee a big real estate uh, bubble bursting in big cities because they figured out that you don't need people to come into the office every day. And we don't need a 25,000-square-foot office in a high-rise in Buckhead to be productive. But, you know, the, the biggest thing, what I'm seeing in my industry is getting people to come to work. I'm hiring. And look, out there in podcast land, if you have a kid that's looking for a trade that wants to learn something, hit me up. D- dr cool heating and air dr cool uh dot com actually dr cool hvac.com actually if you hit dr cool.com i think it goes to the cayman islands or something but <laughs> dave at dr cool.com look i'm looking for kids that want to learn a trade that want to learn and look the kids that i turn out after I have them for, for a few months, and that sounds way more sexual than I meant, meant it to, uh, these guys can go to any next. company and make next and make really, really good money. Uh, or work with, work with me and make really good money. Is it, the idea of making twelve to thirteen hundred dollars a month for sitting on your ass? Or not month, a week, a week. Think about it. $1,200 a week for sitting on your ass is not sustainable, is is gonna, is crushing industry because we can't find the people to friggin' work. So with that, I have tagged on to your closing thought. If you like what you heard, like and share us on Facebook. If you did not like what you heard, like and share us on Facebook. Uh... I want to thank everybody for listening for Justice Salaji Eric Cumbie I'm Dave Roberts have a great week <laughs>